da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? Showtime. For the second week in a row here on the Mad About Movies podcast, we return to the world of Ridley Scott. So welcome back this week to the show. And this week on the show, we welcome back, back by popular demand, Richard Barton. Hey, Richard. Hey, good to be back, team. Good to be back and good to have you. I've been eagerly anticipating uh, Son of the Richard or the Son of the Mask Richard Barton. I know. It's spectacular. It's coming. Coming shortly. I uh, can't give away legally when. Yeah. Um, but um, but it is it is around the corner. But it's a rounded corner. Yeah. So it's de- so it's so it literally could happen in in seven minutes from now. You just never it know. Could. Uh, just, it's going to come when you least go- expect it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I cannot wait for that. I'm actually taking the day off work when that uh, episode drops, so I can experience <laughs> it fully for what it's all worth. I'm very excited. Everybody I clear have, your schedules. Yeah. Everybody clear your schedules. Yes. I have to tell you uh, both that. Excuse me. I uh, I have uh, I have seen it. I've seen Son oh. of the Mass now. Oh, good. Had you seen it before? No. Okay. Not no. Me neither. <laughs> me neither. This might be the movie that you have seen that I have not seen. <laughs> wow. Exciting times. So I'm the only uh, one here that owns the 4K Ultra HD <laughs> Son of the Mask. Well, that's embarrassing. Yeah, but, I'm embarrassed. But not not Blu-ray though. You have you have HD DVD. Oh, four 4K. <laughs> the four oh, the okay. 4K Ultra HD. The only the only way you can really watch yeah. the movie is in complete ultra high definition. It's the reason the he experience. bought a 4K TV. Honestly, yeah, it was the only see. 4K disc in his collection. <laughs> you need to see Jamie Kennedy in all his glory. <laughs> Oh, wow. You've been next, punk. Gosh, I cannot wait for that episode. But yeah, that will be dropping very, very soon. How many people did they have to go through before they got to Jamie Kennedy? Like, clearly, Jim Carrey's not in. We can't, we're not doing the mask. Well, but we could find somebody to replace him. Yeah, it's how 2001. Many, many what, what's Tom Green up to? Can we get Tom Green? Tom Green's no. price was too high. He was doing uh, Freddy Got Fingered and Road Trip. <laughs> so he was fully booked. The only other comedian in 2001 was either Jay Moore or Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> so they opted for Jamie Kennedy because Jay, Jay Moore's Moore above was, that. He's above that. Yeah, he was doing action at the time. Right. Isn't that what that was called? That sitcom is? I don't know why I know that. They could have gotten Titus. Remember Titus? <laughs> Some throwback comedians for you. Good times. <sighs> throwback? Those, go, those, are my, those are my Beatles. <laughs> You haven't heard Titus's new stand-up? It's on vinyl. Um, all right. Well, it's going to be a good time tonight. Uh, I always enjoy diving again, diving in again to the uh, Alien universe. We uh, we talked Alien and Aliens and the whole universe uh, in our Alien throwback episode, which we released a couple of weeks ago. If you got a chance to revisit Alien or any of the previous movies, uh, go back and listen to that throwback before you maybe go see Covenant, or if you have already seen Covenant, still go back and do that and revisit the Alien franchise. It's always a fun one to, to revisit every few years when we have new Alien movies come out. And Prometheus was the last Alien movie we had, and that was in 2012. And this is the newest one, 2017. So this one kind of uh, came maybe a little bit too late, in my opinion. 
And uh, I think they could have maybe capitalized on more of the buzz of Prometheus at the time, and people were talking about it a lot when, after, right after it came out. And uh, they really couldn't decide what they were going to do with Alien. Uh, there were rumors that Neil Blomkamp was going to take over at some point uh, on his own. But uh, then Chappie happened, and he might never make a movie again. So um, Ridley Scott, we talked about him last week, about his kind of career and his trajectory over the past 10 or so years, and it's been very, very up and down. And so they decided, 20th Century Fox decided to give the reins back to Ridley Scott, who created the Alien franchise, and uh, see what he had to offer. So exciting to talk about this. It always makes for a good conversation, mm-hmm. whether or not it's a good movie or whether you're, or whether or not you agree with uh, the direction of the movie. It's always fun to talk about kind of the open-ended nature of Alien. Yeah, so excited and we for have that. a special guest for that, too. So we're we do. We're welcoming a guest, and it's going to be a great time here very shortly. But before we do that, there is no shortage of movie mm-hmm. news, rumors, and rumblings. And to start things off tonight, uh, I think we should maybe talk a little bit of TV. Uh, We haven't done this in a while, and we like to do this every couple of months, usually before the summer hits, and uh, that is to talk about the state of Saturday Night Live. Uh, This was a controversial year for Saturday Night Live in the fact that uh, the President of the United States seemed to be very upset about Saturday Night Live. Because uh, somebody was doing an impression of him, which he's a lot more things to be upset about than Alec Baldwin doing an impression. That just means it's a good impression if it offends you, right? If you're the the person (laughs) being impersonated and you don't like it, that means it's it's spot on. But uh, I mean, every time that they've done a spoof of Mad About Movies on Saturday Night Live, I get offended. So it probably means they're doing a good job. They they save that one. Like the Vanessa Bayer has been playing me. Honestly, (laughs) it's pretty accurate though. In all honesty, (laughs) she does a good job. I just you know, come on. Uh, So we're at a kind of a weird point in SNL. Uh, We thought a few years ago when Bill Hader left and Fred Armisen left and Taron Killam was let go and Jay Farrow was let go last year. They really they've been struggling for, for for cast members. And then people to kind of take the reins and become the people that you tune in for every week. Uh, it seems as of late that Kate McKinnon's been the, the person that uh, that's been. She's been the most probably buzzed about cast member over the past year or so. Uh, she had a small outing in Ghostbusters last year that uh, didn't go over quite well. And uh, neither did Leslie Jones. Uh, the movie flopped and uh, their performances were nothing to write home about. And so their futures are in doubt as far as what they can bring to the big screen. But uh, the small screen is where they remain, and Saturday Night Live is kind of in a weird place. Uh, we got the news this week that uh, Bobby Moynihan, longtime cast member Bobby Moynihan, Vanessa Bayer, who Brian just mentioned, and Shasir Zamata also walking out the door of SNL, which leaves Keenan. I think Keenan's <laughs> the, only, the only one left. Keenan and Kate. The Keenan and Kate show. And I think uh, whoever does Weekend Update, I refuse to say their names <laughs> on the air because I don't want to promote them. But uh, it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird place for SNL, and I like to talk to you guys about it because I know we all are avid watchers. And SNL is that is most, not true. SNL is the most... Absolutely in, not true. I'm not, not an anymore. avid SNL watcher. Not anymore. SNL is, is, worth, is not even worth five seconds right now. Uh, I... 
I've I know everyone's all in on like because it's political and that's great. I think that's awesome. If it can take down a if it can be the new Woodward and Bernstein, then that's great. But in terms of comedy, it, it's in the biggest valley it's ever been in. I don't know why we're all pretending like it's come out of it. The writing is abysmal. It's been conceptually. There were some shows this Awful. year that uh, terrible. They were, were all less that I've seen. Every single one, in my opinion. I, I just think, I think it's the worth... Tom Hanks episode is pretty decent. There was some... it had one sketch. It had David Pumpkins or whatever. That's great. That everything else was like complete irony. Would have been the worst sketch in any year in the last ten years. I don't know why. I just don't. I just don't get the the. I understand its relevancy, but it's like there's a million other things going after Trump too that are ten times more clever. I just don't understand why everyone has to jump all over SNL now. It's like we're trying to will it to be back, which I get. I'm not saying cancel the show. It has peaks and valleys, but I just don't think it's out of this valley yet. Yeah. Oh, definitely not out of the valley. Not at all. Uh, but, but the question is, what, what can they do? <laughs> it's clear. I mean, I'm not, glad. I mean, clearly... I'm glad Moynihan's gone. I'm glad. I mean, just clean. Ha- I mean, none of these people, I mean, uh, they're decent sketch actors, but they're clearly not very good writers because the writers are terrible. So, I mean, Vanessa Byers, she's made me laugh a few times in the last few years. I hope she has a great career. Same with Moynihan, but it's, I mean, it just is irrelevant. I, th- I've never cared less about people leaving the show. I don't, I don't blame them for leaving. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, for sure. Definitely. I don't blame them. I, I, I always hope for the best, you know, with the show. And I think it's an important show. It really does. I mean, they have the ability to change the uh, face of comedy, as it were, uh, you know, every single week. They can, they can rewrite uh, what's funny in America. And uh, they don't yeah. seem to do that. The current, this is the current full cast. This is the permanent cast right now. It's Beck Bennett, A.D. Bryant, Michael Che, Pete Davidson, Leslie Jones, Colin Jost, Kate McKinnon, Kyle Mooney, Cecily Strong, and Kenan Thompson. That's the cast. Um, out of those cast members, Kenan. <laughs> Kenan has made me laugh. Uh, I can't say that any of them have really made me laugh. I mean, I hate to say that because they're comedians, but it just, man, I can't. I, Keenan as Steve Harvey, like that's like, just do that every sketch, you know, or, or Charles Barkley or something. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Uh, what other advice I can give. Uh, Kyle Mooney was doing some kind of fun stuff. That was kind of the digital short type, weird kind of man on the street stuff. That was kind of odd. Um, that didn't really work though. He only did that like maybe one or two times. He still hasn't found his his role there. Again, Kate McKinnon does the same character every single sketch. And uh, they have a couple of new cast members, Mikey Day and Alex Moffat, who were former writers, I believe, and are taking kind of the place of the uh, Taron Killams and Bobby Moynihan's of the world who have left. So, again, I don't know what it's going to take to bring it back. Into the uh, the spectrum again. Just time. And, it's just time. And I mean, it'll be it'll be back. The it's only fine. times it's been in in the uh, spectrum is is the Trump stuff, I guess. So you'll see some clips of Alec Baldwin doing something, or you know, Kate McKinnon doing uh, Trump's advisor or, or whatever. Uh, that's that's really been it though. And I really hope it comes back, Brian. But have you watched any of it in the past year or anything like that? 
Uh, no, I really it's it's bums me out because I love Saturday Night Live. It's the greatest TV show of all time in a lot of ways, and this is the probably only the second time since I don't know early high school that I've gone through a stretch where I just I straight up I don't watch it. I don't watch it all. When I was in when I was in college, the cast was fine. I don't know why. I just didn't know anybody who was watching it. There was nobody to talk to about it, and so I just kind of fell off for a couple of years. But um, I watched last year. Here's how it went. Last year, I recorded every episode, and I would try to go back and fight through, and I ultimately gave up most of the time. Uh, this year, I don't even think I have it set on my DVR, and I, I probably watched five sketches that came across you know whatever whatever was people were talking about like all right i'll go check this out i mean melissa mccarthy as sean spicer was funny but that's she's not even in the cast yeah and and the writing for that wasn't good it was just hey by the way melissa mccarthy was her yelling doing this it was it was funny i mean she did a really funny bit it's it is very depressing to me, and um, look, it, Richard's totally right. This is the way it goes. We've talked about this plenty of times before. It the show comes and goes, its peaks and valleys, and it it'll come back out. It'll be fine. I am starting to question whether or not Lauren American Treasure Lauren Michaels understands what is funny in 2017. Because um, I like we're in a pr- this is a pretty bad stretch, and also well, I mean, no one he, calls them on. I mean, everyone just pretends yeah, like oh, it's still funny. So hundred percent, yeah. It's it, it, it's. I mean, it's just going to have to accidentally get better, but I, I just don't, th- it's just not, it's relevant socially because of the things they're tackling, but it's not relevant comedically at all. Agree. It's yeah. the most boring comedy that one could possibly write. And it's written by a bunch of people that are doing an impression of what SNL should be instead of mm. reinventing yeah. it for their own cast. So I just don't, who cares? Like, just let's talk about justice league or something. That's what everyone wants to hear us talk about. I mean, it's just SNL will, 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 will rotate out i don't know but it's it they have a lot of i think you know they they the problems with the writing they have writings that are writers that have been there a while and those writers just aren't that great and yeah, so you got to get writers man yeah you got to get writers it doesn't matter about the cast come and go. yeah yeah you but you gotta you gotta have people who understand what's funny at the time and can tap into whatever's mm-hmm. in the cultural zeitgeist and they're just they're missing on that so badly right now and they have been since since seth left i mean seth and and even the last season that Seth was there, uh, the writing wasn't great, but it was still passable, and you hand it off to a decent cast, and you get along with it. But since Seth and Mulaney left, it's it's been it's been horrendous, and that that started with Jost, but it's it's fallen through since he got removed as head writer. I mean, it's just it's bad. It's just really bad on that front. It's just depressing because they've had the easiest material of all time. You know, yeah, <laughs> the Trump should be the easiest comedically to do and that really hasn't landed like it should you know yeah, uh, i think i mean i heard the south park guys talk about this too i mean it is in a way and it isn't in a way i mean the 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 whether or not you agree politically or whatever with with trump i mean it is sort of a you have to admit a, a really um bombastic um kind of self-parodying style that he has and so it's hard thing to par- i mean you have trump i mean uh baldwin is a good impression of him but it's hard to satire it really because it's like so the the real things he does when he wakes up and tweets at 3 a.m again whether or not you think those tweets are anything. awesome yeah, yeah awesome or terrible but it's like that's it's kind of not a great it's it's a lot like you know george w bush and clinton were kind of the sweet spot of um of comedy and that they were like easy to parody 
But at the end of the day, like, you know, uh, Obama was tough because he was super self-aware and guarded and like kind of had a natural coolness to his way he spoke. And so it was just like a hard, I mean, you could do the, the Obama voice, but like you could, it was hard thing, the satire. And then Trump right. on the other end of the spectrum is so brazenly yeah. bombastic. It's hard to, uh, right. parody. And so I, I get it, but other shows are way funnier about it and finding angles not, and maybe they're not doing sketches, but I think, I think sketch acting has really been perfected and you can go to these, the groundling style theaters and find you could replace the SNL cast a hundred times with, with actors. That's not the hard part. The hard part of finding the acerbic uh, writers that actually write from, you know, the, I think they've gone to the, the Ivy league, the Harvard lampoon. Well, a few too many times where you hit the same kind of style writers yeah. who write the same exact style sketches from the exact same point of view. And I'm not saying it's like a liberal Hollywood, east coast elite thing i'm just saying no, it's, it's like just the same voice it's the same voice and so like uh it's it just gets it just gets boring I, that's the thing i've noticed for the last i've been harping on this for eight years everyone it seems like everyone on snl writers and actors have read every book on snl and they're doing an impression of what it's like to be on F- snl instead of just like pretending like it's you should go into that job pretending like it's a brand new show that's never existed before and make it try to be the first cast but instead, everyone's like, "Okay, I'm the Chevy. Okay, you're right, the yeah. you're the Farley." You're, and it's just like, so, okay, then no, no, no innovation happens in terms of comedy. And then they write the sketches for, "Okay, Keenan, you're gonna make the big eye face, just like you've done for ten years, just like Tim Meadows did before you." Are we ready, team? Mm-hmm. Okay, go. And I, to an extent, you have to do that. It has to be formulaic because you've got to do twenty two of them a year. But you have to innovate somewhat within the form, and no one does that anymore. The only right, good, the done only right. good thing in the past year was Chappelle being on there and doing his monologue like that was yeah. that's the most memorable thing that's happened on SNL in 10 years maybe yeah I don't know these <laughs> two having having original comedic voices come out and do stand-up is yeah Louis C.K. and book. Aziz yeah, yeah. that's good so, maybe they should just do that every week just let <laughs> let a comedian do a monologue bring in Amy Schumer bring in you know no, they really should look at really mixing up the form just to just to like, if I were Lauren, I would do weird shows all the time. Like, remember that one they did when Wig left and Sandberg left, where it was like, yeah, Mick Jagger kind of hosted with all these other weird band, right. bands. Like, do yeah. shows like that all the time, just to mess with the form. Open with the musical guests, and then do some. I mean, I would, I would just be to shake it up, shake it up, get out of your your funk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, there's a big kind of come to Jesus this summer, and they come back. Maybe with some stronger stuff. They won't because next the year. media is kid gloving them, being like SNL is back, man. Yeah, it's well, and never been more relevant. Too. Yeah, so, so that I mean, that's that's part of it. It's I don't know. better writing, better cast will be fine, but it's gotta. But the, gotta their start. ratings are they strong because they brought in Alec Baldwin and Melissa McCarthy, yeah, who aren't yeah. even on the in the cast. I know and, <laughs> they're every and week, that, and that's that's sort of I don't know that that bothered me a little. It's fine. It is what it is, but it does say something if you can't. If you if your cast can't do a passable, if, if you can't do Trump, then I just I don't know. Like that's the main character of your show at this point, and you're having to bring in Baldwin to do yeah, it. Yeah, that's that's it, that's bad. It was a it's it's been it's been a little odd. But again, just you've got to get some writers, and I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. I can't write comedically really, or I'd try to do that. But you've got to find some some unique voices that 
know how to put something on the screen that's not just the same. Other shows are finding them, so they're out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, there. it's not they're like it's, it's not like John Oliver and Colbert right. and Samantha B and all these other shows don't have really smart political writing because they do, and they're so much funnier than anything that's been on SNL. Even if you just took Weekend Update and got rid of the sketch part of it, Weekend Update's, I mean, uh, laughably terrible. And so, yeah. but they're going to get their own, you know, set, weekday show because it's the greatest weekend updates ever been. <laughs> the, so. the saddest thing I've heard is I think Seth Myers was on Howard Stern. Uh, you know, he he does it yearly at this point. Uh, and he says when, when for weekend update, they write, they have three writers that are mm-hmm. only weekend update and each writer writes a hundred jokes a day. Yep. And he picks, you know, whatever's on the show. If you're writing a thousand jokes a week as a writer and that's what the output is, Maybe you aren't doing too well, you know, because this. imagine what didn't make the show. <laughs> imagine those jokes. Uh, I mean. That or whoever's doing gosh. the picking is picking poorly. Right. Because you write that many jokes. I mean, there's there's bound to be a lot of bad ones. Maybe the bad ones are what, what's getting chosen. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm done. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. So there's some sequel news, some movie news. Uh, yeah. Sequel-wise. We should get in the Justice League because everyone's, everyone's tweeting us about this. I, um. I mean, I feel bad even mentioning it, but um, oh yeah, but we got to touch on it. Uh, Zack Snyder is uh, having a tough time right now, and I, I want to off the top. I mean, we joke around a lot on the show. I mean, Zack Snyder and his output has become a bit on the show. I mean, ninety nine percent of the time we're saying it in jest, or you know, we're making it uh, a way bigger deal than it is. We're exaggerating the. You know, everybody is super jacked and all that a lot of the time. But uh, um, we're not joking when we say uh, we wish him the best in his career and in his life and in his family life and in everything uh, as a person and and all that. Uh, You know, we want him to succeed. But uh, he's he's had a really rough go. He revealed this week that his daughter um, committed suicide this past spring in March. And she was in college, apparently, or she's, you know, young. And and uh, he thought the way to get through it was to go back to work. Uh, when it initially happened, they, they went on hiatus for Justice League for two weeks. Uh, he came back and uh, did some reshoots and things like that, just trying to get his mind off it, you know, getting back to work. Maybe that he thought that was the way to cope with it was to do what he loves. And it just wasn't working, um, neither for him nor his family. So he has taken a permanent leave of absence from Justice League at this point and has brought in his friend, confidant, Joss Whedon, uh, Mm -hmm. to finish the production of Justice League in the director's chair. So, um, very cool of Joss to do that. Didn't have to do that, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, as a friend and a fellow director, I'm sure he understands and can sympathize with what that must be like and, and the, you know, being a director is an all-encompassing job. I mean, you're working 20 hours a day, basically, every single day for years on these movies. And um, I, I can't imagine the emotional toll that making a movie will take out of somebody, the physical toll that making a movie will take out of somebody, let alone experiencing the death of a family member and a daughter at that. Uh, I'm sure it's unimaginable and unfathomable to most of us. So I, I can't really sympathize, but I can only imagine what that must be like. Um, so Joss Whedon, who is doing Batgirl for DC, um, is already, you know, 
has already started. He's he's having his hand in Justice League, and he's going to finish out the production there and uh, make sure that that movie comes out on time, which it's slated to come out November 17th, 2017, this fall. So, again, our hearts go out to you, Zach, and uh, your family, and we hope to see you back soon making movies and doing what you love and bringing us movies that we can talk about on the show and uh, us, therefore, bringing entertainment to the masses uh, in the same way. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have anything to say about it other yeah, than Brian, uh, mentioning the show, but it's uh, it's very, very sad. And, you know, I, I really, really feel about feel for him. And, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot and just praying for him and all that. It's 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 maybe the worst situation I've heard in Hollywood in a long time. It's so, so sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful, man. Like this, it, we had so many people, which I love, I love so much uh, that we have listeners that want to interact with us. It's, it's why we, I mean, honestly, it's why we keep doing this. Um, and why, you know, it's something that I really enjoy. We had so many people tweet, email, Facebook message, everything, um, links to this article and a lot of questions about what it means for the DC extended universe or the, the cinematic universe, excuse me. And for, um, for justice league in particular. And I, I you know, I get it. I, I understand there to me, I, I would say this, there's a time for that. Like we can, when the movie comes out, we will talk about it and we'll try, you know, we'll treat it fairly. Like we have every other movie <laughs> that we talk about on the show, but like, I don't know, like this is just, to me, the question of like, will this make, is this, I don't know. It seems really crass and Mm. disgusting to even suggest like that this will somehow make this particular movie better. Cause I, I don't know. I just, there's a time and place for that when the movie comes out. It's not, it's not now. And And honestly, we don't know. I mean, yeah, uh, it's a, we, 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 wouldn't talk about it even if we did have opinions, but honestly, there's no way to, I mean, it might've been awesome anyway. I mean, it's a movie that's not, doesn't exist yet. So, I mean, uh, if, if this tragedy hadn't happened and, and, uh, Zach had continued making this, I mean, as we always say before every DC movie, cause everyone thinks we hate DC, we hope that they're awesome and we've been let down so far, but maybe we'll love wonder woman and we'll love DC and we'll love justice league. But, right. um, but you know, th- this yeah. doesn't affect that at all. I mean, this is just a very sad thing that's happened. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's just look that that stuff that stuff pales in comparison it it takes a backseat yeah. to um what's actually going on in this family's life and an awful an awful thing that happened like hum, human life is precious and and we sh- we're not going to uh i don't know i just i just can't i can't quite get to a point where i'm like eh, but let's talk about what the movie's gonna be like i don't know and and i you know they're bringing in Joss Whedon to to edit and to piece it together. So if it's not, if the movie's not already pretty decent or good or whatever, whatever the movie is right now is likely to be what the movie's going to be in November, just with you know slight. There's z- there's zero changes. chance he's going to so, change anything. Yeah, that Zach would have done. And I, I mean, yeah, I, can't, I mean they were and nor should he about that. Nor should, nor should he. Yeah. No, it's, it's not his movie. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. Even if you don't like what's being put on, I don't know, on the film, that's not your movie. So you're, they brought him in to finish. They said this pretty specifically, uh, Warner Brothers did, that they brought him in uh, to finish, basically to finish Zack Snyder's um, vision for the movie. And, and that's what he's going to do. And, and, you know, best of luck to, to him. But again, like, I get it. I know that this movie's a big deal. And, 
um, if you're a fan of the DC superheroes like I am, like we all are, um, you want these movies to be good. And so I, I totally understand that it's natural to jump to like, uh, what is this? How mean? can this, yeah, this yeah. could, you know, what can, could this be lead to a better, uh, film or a better experience or whatever, but that, that really just doesn't, it just doesn't matter. So anyway, my thoughts and prayers out to Snyder. And I, totally. like I said, it, it feels disingenuous in some ways because we have made such a bit of um his movies but i hope that people understand and 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 maybe we should be better at it as well but there's a massive difference between um critiquing and sometimes uh mocking hopefully in a teasing teasing way uh someone's work versus um their like actual life uh and and the things that are actually taking place in real life so uh, thoughts and prayers to to Zach and his family, and 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 uh, you know I hope that they can find a way to to heal and to get through. Um, and and I hope Justice League is good in November. And you know, be a great tribute if it was. It'd be sure, you know, the last last thing he worked on with before this happened. So it'd be it'd be really awesome if it was great. Hopefully, it will be. I honestly hope that every single movie I go into, I hope it's good. Yeah, I know that's we, hard we to always be do. able to say. I really do. I don't. I don't like bad movies, and I want yeah. I want it to be good. I want everything he does to be good. Yeah. Um, well, especially so. especially a movie like that's the thing. Like, if now you see me's are bad, I'm okay with that. I enjoy talking about a really bad, <laughs> stupid movie like that. But I don't want Batman movies to be bad, you know. And I don't want these big temples that yeah. actually matter in the cultural and like in our society. These big movies that people are going to be talking about. I don't want them to be bad. I want them to be good. And that's. I don't know. People always give us crap about that. Like that we're going in with some sort of vendetta against it. We're not. We want the Batman's my favorite superhero. I want them to be good. But, you know, you got to give us a finished product. So hopefully this one will turn out the right way. Absolutely. All right. There's more comic book news, though. We're 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 jam packed with comic book news. (laughs) So much Um, comic booking. Is there time? Or do we want to save that? Or uh, we can it? we can save. It's up to you, man. Um, You're running the digits, man. Is it? I just don't know how much time we'll spend on it. Um, yeah, let's do, let's mention it. Um, so so on the other side of the coin, kind of uh, not at Warner Brothers, not at Marvel Studios, at Sony, they're still cranking out um, Spider-Man movies, apparently. Or finding their version of what they can do with Spider-Man. And uh, their version of what they can do is to do a Venom movie uh, with Tom Hardy as Venom. And I'm wondering if he's going to have a mask on of some kind. And if he does, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Because I know for a fact I will not be able to understand him. I don't understand him with no mask on. So it would be hard to understand him as Venom. Uh, I mean, this is a good idea, I guess. conceptually everything you know Mm -hmm. um kind of focus on the dark side of things and that way it doesn't really cross over too much with spider-man and what they're doing uh the joint venture that they're doing with marvel studios and kind of do their own thing and maybe eventually they could cross them over in some way but uh, i think there's another whole universe uh under underneath the uh the ground there at uh in in the spider-man world kind of similar to what they were uh, trying with Suicide Squad, you know, I think there are stories to tell yeah. there that are interesting. I think it's more of a, I think it's more that. of a reaction to, to Spider Man at Marvel. I mean, less to Spider Man at Marvel than it is to like Deadpool. I think they're, Sony's trying to get their Deadpool uh, mm-hmm. or something like like Fox has with with 
with Reynolds. I don't know. That's what it seems like it's in, in response to, right? Am I am I way off there, Brian? Uh, I mean, I think that's fine. I, I think that's accurate. They there's some amount of I haven't I haven't read enough to know for sure, but I I would imagine they have to keep pumping out these movies or the rights reverse oh, yeah, at some point always, too. So that's always that. I know that's the deal with like Fantastic Four. So I I assume that it's the same with this. Um, this is a bad idea, and they should not do this movie. Like this is just not. Uh, I understand that rights are rights, and you want to hang on to potentially valuable properties, but they announced this movie with no writer, no director, no star, no script, no nothing. Um, they're piecing it together the wrong way. It's supposed to come out. Is it October of next year? So we're less than a year and a half out. Um, that's not enough time. That's not enough time to make a good franchise tentpole kind of movie. This is a this is a bad idea, and I would like them to stop making these movies. You have you have screwed up Spider Man enough times at this point. Um, let's let's just stop. Let's just stop doing this. I'm. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know what to think. <laughs> you know, um, I like Tom Hardy. I don't I like, like Venom. Venom. I don't like Venom. I thought Ven- I think Venom could be fun in a movie. I don't think they're going to do it correctly, and I certainly don't think they're going to do it correctly under these dumb co- time constraints that only Sony itself is imposing upon themselves. No one else is. There's no like governing body of films out there being like you have to make a Venom movie by October of 2018. Like you don't have time to get this done, slot it for March of the next year or May or July or whatever else, but give if you're going to try this crap again, make sure that you do it correctly. Yep. I agree. But is will he make a better Venom than Topher Grace because that's going to be tough to <laughs> boy. Boy. Tough to top. A- what a decision that was. We'll have to talk about that. <laughs> I'm a excited. Little later, a little bit later. Have you rewatched uh have you rewatched number three yet? Kent or Richard, um, either of y'all? No, it's that's coming the one up I, for me. I, I uh I try to rewatch that one the most because I know I've seen <laughs> one and two literally seventy five times each. Yeah. Um and so Spider Man three is always the one that if I was gonna watch one of those three, it's always the one I watch because it's the one that I and the most confused by it's the one that I'm like, where did they go wrong with this? Why, why did this happen? You know, uh, Pretty so much everywhere. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that uh, later this week. Uh, uh, yeah, I think we're going to do that. be talking about so. Spider-Man before homecoming this summer comes mm-hmm. out. And, um, I mean, like I said, I'll give it a chance. I'll give Venom a chance, but, um, I'm not too into Tom Hardy at this point in time where he is. And I'm not too into, uh, Sony's version of Spider-Man, so kind of a kind of a lackluster uh, way to say I'm not very excited for the movie. But conceptually, uh, the the focusing on the villains part, I'm 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 in on that. But uh, Mm -hmm. Venom as a villain, I'm not I'm not in on that. So we shall we shall see. Okay, well let's take a break. Welcome in our guest and talk about Alien Covenant. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's 
tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. So we're welcoming in our guest this week, the one and only Joel. Hey, Joel Pixler. What's up, man? Hello, everybody. Hey, good to have you, man. We've been talking on Twitter for a while, and some of the MAM fam might know you from our Twitter. We've retweeted your thoughts and things, and you've been one of our most loyal listeners. And uh, it's about time that we get you on the show to talk some movies. We're basically best friends at this point, I feel like. It's good. (laughs) <laughs> what I like. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's about time, and so we're gonna do what we do with every guest on here. We're gonna put you through the ringer, get to know you a mm-hmm. little bit, your movie taste. So first of all, have you seen Now You See Me? Um, yes, I saw it in a two dollar theater with my uh, track team in high school. In, uh, you got college. ripped off, man. You got totally <laughs> ripped. Well, yeah, I asked mean, for like, a refund. They- you know how like you go to a vending machine and there are like drinks stacked up in it and you try to put money in it to knock all the drinks down yeah that was a better uh that was money better spent on two dollars <laughs> going to see that movie in the theater so if if the machine had eaten your money it would have been better spent than going oh it ate my money see. and it was much more enjoyable yes i can understand that uh that's good i'm glad you had to experience that and you're still here with us <laughs> you made um it. have you Survivor. seen mcgruber uh, yes. I mean, if you're asking me if I have a coffin in my backyard with the extra change of clothes in it, then yes, <laughs> that would be the Richard and I, uh, this weekend, we, uh, we went to music festival and on the way there, we thought of this funny bit that what if Richard is MacGruber for Halloween every single year and he keeps the costume in a coffin <laughs> in his backyard and re and buries it and redigs it up every single year on Halloween. <laughs> I have been MacGruber for like three different Halloweens, so I, I might as well just make it a bit at this point. I just love the idea that your neighbors are like, huh, what's that screen? Oh, it must be, it's a uh, day before Halloween. Oh, okay, Richard yeah. must be getting his costume out. That's good. <laughs> when, yep, when, there's yeah. the wet whitey tidies. <laughs> and, and when you have kids, it's just like, Dad, what? Dad, stop. <laughs> no, it's, it's Halloween, kids. <laughs> you'll, so, someday you'll understand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Well, good to have you, Joel. And, uh, man, where do we start with this one? Because 
a lot of anticipation from my end of things going into this and uh, a lot of thoughts coming out of my brain coming out of this one. Um, general thoughts. We're going to go around and give general thoughts. Keep spoilery stuff a little bit. Uh, save it for a little bit later. But um, this movie really was trying to be alien mixed with Prometheus. And mm-hmm. I think it really try- lent, uh, leaned a little bit too hard on the Prometheus side of things. Um, uh, Michael Fassbender, uh, I knew he was going to be in the movie, didn't know he was going to be the entire focus of the movie. Uh, I think that was a mistake. Uh, I am not in on any of the other cast members at all. Uh, I thought they were extremely disappointing, boring at that, and I don't understand the casting choices there. Uh, the From the horror aspect, I think Brian and I talked last week on what we were kind of expecting from this movie, and I expected this to be a lot more jump-scary, uh, reminiscent of Alien. I thought they were going to more go towards that tone and lean further away from the Prometheus, you know, all the questions about humanity, humanity's origins, that kind of stuff. And I was wrong about that. Uh, there was not much horror aspect of this other than kind of the gross-out factor that uh, we've come to know in love with Alien, like the uh, guts spilling out everywhere or, you know, things like that. There wasn't really the um, you-never-know-what's-lurking-around-the-corner aspect of it, like uh, like we liked with the, this stuff with Ripley isolated with the alien in the uh, ship in the dark corridors and things like that. Uh, I wanted more of that, and I, and we didn't get it. But uh, I was, I, there were parts of this that I enjoyed, but as a whole, I was disappointed with this movie. Uh, I liked Prometheus more, and I didn't even like Prometheus that much comparatively <laughs> with the Alien franchise. So that kind of tells me where this movie falls to me. Um, you know, I, apparently they're going to make more of these. Maybe in context with the other films, this will make more sense. Uh, I think Prometheus makes a little bit more sense now that this movie has come out and, you know, maybe uh, explain some things from Prometheus or attempted to. But other than that, pretty disappointed with Alien Covenant. But uh, again, a good conversation to be had, nonetheless. Uh, I'm excited to talk about that. So, Brian, any general thoughts? Yeah, I think you hit it straight on, Kinto. I think it's a... the. <laughs> The the concept of a cross between Alien and Prometheus, and in the process, it just never quite gets to either side of that equation, and so it's just kind of perpetually stuck in the middle. I liked a lot of the movie um, when I was in the movie. Coming out, like after I had time to think about it and stuff, I wasn't as high on it. I talked with several listeners who... Uh, were tweeting at me and stuff, and it's it's interesting. It's it's interesting that it's it's as high. I mean, it got pretty good ratings. It's it's seventy one, I think seventy two percent, seventy one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Yeah, which is right in line with Prometheus. Prometheus was seventy two percent, so it's right on the, the the same spot basically. Um, but just like Prometheus was, there's a lot of people who um were pretty disappointed in it and and not too enthused. So I. I you know I I enjoyed my experience in the theater. Um, I would say this maybe my biggest problem or biggest complaint with this movie and maybe with this franchise as a whole is and it, and at this point I mean they're trying to do like a full on new franchise with it. So you're gonna have to pick whether you're gonna go all in on uh, the mythology element and this kind of like mystical question and 
all this sort of stuff with more of the Prometheus stuff, or if you're going to go more horror-based like original Alien was, or if you're going to try to do like Aliens and do like a fun, crazy, R-rated action movie. Like, I can do any of those things. I don't want to continue to sit in the middle between them all and try to figure out which way we're going sometimes from scene to scene. And so this wasn't, I don't know, it really wasn't what I expected. That's not necessarily a bad thing. And I, I, I enjoyed a good portion of the ride, but I kind of came out with not necessarily more questions, but just more like, what are we doing? I, I don't know. It, it's not tight enough to me to maintain um, the momentum that I think it, it started to develop at times. And then it just, it just kind of squandered that. And, and, so I, I don't know. I it's it's tough for me even to to fully flesh out how I like how I want to grade the movie in some ways because it's like the stuff that I enjoyed I really enjoyed and I thought it was very well shot and it's a gorgeous film and all this sort of stuff but the the narrative and the scripting is maybe not bad but certainly not uh not as strong as as I think it really needed to be to turn this into the kind of franchisey platform movie that they want it to be. So that's, I don't know. That's where I'm at. Richard, how about you, man? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, uh, this is, this is the worst kind of movie to review for me because, uh, uh, because it's, it's not, it's not awful at all. It's anything that you can just pick apart easily and then it's not great. It's not easy to lot. It's just kind of a mediocre, um movie uh there's there's no real charisma i didn't find i mean fassman is such a fascinating actor but I, something about this character i think on purpose because it is an android uh leaves me cold and uh and i and i know he's you know spoiler alert most of the time in this evil but it's just not there's no i don't, I don't know i just find it's kind of one of his weaker performances uh even when it's when it's double fassbender um but I think I like this universe so much and the stakes are so high and it's so scary when it's scary that I enjoyed myself in the theater. Um, but it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't to me like the big tentpole movie that we might have thought it would have been. Uh, you know, we were really hyped for Prometheus. Uh, I don't think we, we were doing the show then, but just personally. Right. And then that was a little bit of a letdown, but it was still cool. And then I thought, okay, well, this one, it's got the alien name on it. This is that was just setting the tone for that. It was like, ah, uh, still, still more like black goo and white ghost guys hanging out. Okay. All right. So, you know, it's kind of, but it, it does at least, but the, we'll get to the, I don't know if it's really a plot. I'm not the plot twist at the end hardly qualifies as a plot twist. Cause that's like the most obvious thing ever. But the idea of like the creation of the xenomorphs and stuff to kind of changes the context of the whole series in a way. Mm. Um, and I don't know. I'm still like, debating in my brain like how i feel about that if i like that information or i liked it a little more ambiguous before but anyway uh, no one cares what i have to say about something like alien joel what is your background with the uh with the series what did you think of the movie what you what made you so you chose to review this movie with us so what what makes mm-hmm. you love alien so much and, and give us a little insight on that and, and then what you thought of the movie in a uh, general sense well i mean uh alien and aliens is my my second favorite movies of of all time i love I love those movies, but I'm, it's kind of weird because I'm, I'm very much like Brian. I hate horror movies. I hate scary movies. I was scarred as a 
junior higher watching War of the Worlds, like train engines scared <laughs> me for weeks and weeks after watching that movie. But I love Alien. There's just something about it that's just so awesome. It's just, they're just such great movies. So and I watched these movies with my uh, my mom a lot growing up. So these are these are close movies between her and I. We went to see a an alien shooting in IMAX on Alien Day last month together as a mother son date. So <laughs> it's just something I I just really love this franchise. It's just so good. And I really I liked uh Covenant. I thought it was really good. There were some things I didn't like about it from a like a yeah, nerdy like xenomorph knowing everything about the alien universe but then there's also i just freaking love the alien and it's it's just so awesome to me like everything about it i kind of feel the same way about this movie as i feel about the the uh, bvs the legal court case movie with batman it's not particularly a great movie but i love batman so i I can get by with it that makes sense maybe Maybe just the crossing over between Alien and Prometheus is what. Like, I really like the engineers. Like, I think that's a really cool mm-hmm, science yeah. fiction thing. And I really like the xenomorphs. But maybe it's the crossing over of the... It feels like Alien versus Predator in a way. Like, why are these in the same movie? You know, it's just a yeah. weird... It's just a weird thing that the, that, that exists. And, um, I mean, this movie sought out, in my opinion, to, you know, answer questions like, where do, what is the origin of the xenomorphs? But in my, I thought that that question was answered in Prometheus at the end. Is it not? <laughs> like the very last well, shot of Prometheus <laughs> is the xenomorph because of the goo and the you know the engineer combined to make the xenomorph. Like that's I thought that's that's what that uh, question was was answered there. So we technically, knew technically that's not a xenomorph. But uh, oh, it's uh, yeah. what what is the mini it's, xenomorph called? It's called um among the fans. That's called the Deacon. But it's it's not a, okay. a full a full like xenomorph as like the big chap like the alien as okay. we know it. That's not man. The... You you do love science. Gosh, I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, it was the combination of the uh, I guess the the DNA of the two species that created the alien yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So I, and I mean, I, I, uh, yeah, I felt like I already knew that in a in a way, you know. And uh, yeah. that's really the only thing that that this kind of was uh, that told me. Uh, so was the only point in having. Guy Pierce as an old man in Prometheus, uh, to have him in the prologue scene of Alien Covenant for that one <laughs> moment, you know, where David and him are talking. Because Guy Pierce as an old man was just so weird, and it still is so weird to see. It just makes no sense why they couldn't just cast an old guy in that role in uh, in Prometheus. And I guess it's to again to have him in the prologue here, and for it to be the same person and and that all to work out. But um, I like the prologue here, the little scene before with David and when David's first created and asking questions about his origins and what are mankind's origins and all that. I, I like that. That kind of set the tone for me. Um, I like the stuff at the beginning with the sails deployed and the energy and them having to go fix the sails on the ship and mm-hmm. all the stuff in the ship itself. I really like uh, the, all these movies kind of start out the same with, you know, them being awoken by something, you know, the crew inadvertently being awoken by something. In this case, it was a storm uh, or an energy field or whatever that they ran into that caused them to come awake. Um, unfortunately, oh, we were right, though. James Franco is in the movie um, <laughs> for a little bit. 
I guess that's no surprise, considering he's not in any of the advertisements or posters or anything like that, that um, he doesn't make it too long. He dies in the storm at the very first scene in the movie. Uh, you only see his face, really. You don't see, he doesn't have any lines or anything like that. Um, so, and I like the fact that David isn't the only David, that there's, it's now like a, he's kind of the, I guess, the model for androids, and they have multiple versions of that. I think they they really let me down with the potential of that idea of David meeting Walter and where that could have gone in this movie. Narratively, what you could have done with that could have been really, really cool. And I don't think it lived up to the potential. How far do we want to wait to get into spoilers? Let's kick it, man. Let's just do it. Okay. So so go see Spoilers. Covenant yeah. and come back for spoilers, because <laughs> there's a lot to spoil here, and a lot of the main convo has to be spoiled. Uh, so here we go. Spoilers coming up now. Um, again, with James Franco, uh, the relationship between him and his girl, uh, no. Why? 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 What, what point does that serve in the movie? What, Kate, Catherine Waterston? What, what? Yeah. Is it, is the only point in the movie for it to come back up when the twist comes at the end of the movie? Is for that to, you know, the, the, we wanted to build a cabin. You know, that's the only point for that whole, it feels like a MacGuffin, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. It feels like it was just, it feels like it shouldn't even have been in the movie. Like it was a waste, a complete waste of time. I, I was, you know, an hour and 50 minutes into the movie and thinking, why, why was Franco in this? Like, what, what did that have to do with anything? You know, uh, that it seems like that was supposed to set things into motion and it really had nothing to do with David or the xenomorphs or engineers or anything like that. It, it just seemed like really, really forced and kind of thrown in and, and only really comes back into relevance for a way for her to discover the twist at the end. And uh, that felt disingenuous to me. Um, so I wrote down in my notes uh, before they actually get on the planet feels like sci-fi TV show. Uh, it really felt like they spin this, yeah. spun this off into a sci-fi television show and they cast Billy Crudup and Catherine Waterston in the leads and, Danny McBride was in there some somewhere, and this felt like Netflix or something like that. When there was no real action, there was no. It didn't feel like Alien. There was nothing really to do with Alien. It felt like a knockoff Star Trek or something like that. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna touch on that real fast. Can't, like, I think you're totally right. I thought for a good chunk of the first, the first act at least, was like this. Really feels like a Star Trek movie. Even the, even the score sounded like mm -hmm. a Star Trek score, and <laughs> I had the kind of the same thought. And I, and I, and I'm, maybe I'm gonna take it a slightly different way. I'm in on that. If you want, I kind of think that's the best place. If you really want to explore all these various realms in which these movies have kind of dabbled over the last couple of goes, if you're going to keep going with this theme of like, sometimes we're in the Prometheus realm, sometimes we're in alien realm, sometimes we're exploring more Star Trek -y stuff, then absolutely freaking literally do a Netflix series. I would love that. And that might give you time to, to really dig into all of those things. And this, but you're, you're spot on. I was like, this is, this feels like a Netflix series right on down to the cast, which is fine. Like, I was worried about the cast. The cast actually turned out to be pretty strong. Um, Waterston and Danny McBride and all of them, they were, they were totally fine. Um, but 
it it would fit. I think it would one hundred percent fits that sort of model that um, that maybe maybe it doesn't fit the the theater experience anymore. I I don't know, but I definitely think it could do that. Yeah. Um, Joel, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Did um did any of you guys watch the prologue that they released about a about a month ago called The Last Supper? I not, yes. I did not. I didn't yeah. see that yet. I, that I feel like. Me, uh, me watching that and then going to see this movie, I understood the characters a bit more. I don't know about you, Brian, since you you said you watched it, but I feel like that helped me understand the the background of these characters, especially uh, Waterston and Crudup's uh, mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. a little bit more. That kind of meek captain trying to do what's best, like that dynamic was flushed out a lot better in that yeah. uh, little prologue. Yeah, I agree. Maybe so. I think Catherine Waterston is just is just bad. I, I thought she was I fine. I can't in this. get into this. I can't she's get into her at all. At all. Yeah, she's boring to me. But she, I thought she was much better in this than she was in like Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts. Oh. it was oh. really like watching a blank wall. I mean, she was <laughs> so boring. But she was good in um, Richard. What's the movie that every time we talk about the one with with uh, Joaquin Phoenix that uh, the P.T. Anderson movie last year? Oh, advice. advice. She was she was solid in that. I mean, she was much much better in this than I than I expected, given how much I just loathed her in uh, in Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, I don't know. It felt like what's her name from uh, Rogue One in a way. Yeah, it, it was similar. But she was, I thought she was better than Felicity Jones was. Perfect perfect. I mean, honestly, between the two of them, it I could it could have been take, the same person, the same character to totally me, and I wouldn't have, wouldn't have known. Yeah. It's just kind of like it, a a character you have to have. You have to have the female protagonist in an alien movie. Like that's been a requirement, I guess, in these. And uh it just felt like um it did, it didn't feel like she like if that had been like Jennifer Lawrence or somebody or maybe somebody with a little more oomph, Maybe I would have, or maybe it was just the writing, but I just didn't feel like I got much out of it. I felt I got more out of Billy Crudup and Danny McBride than I did out of her, and I thought she was going to be the one to carry the movie. Maybe that's on purpose. Maybe Crudup Assance is among us. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Uh, I mean, maybe that that was on purpose. Maybe really Scott flipped it on its head a little bit, you know, on what we were going to kind of expect out of that character, but um, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, so. Prometheus got a lot of flack for just how dumb the people were and just the stupid acts that they did on the planet. Like, why would you ever take your helmet off on a planet, a strange planet? Why would you see an alien, uh, you know, flower and go, come here, little fella, and like reach your hand and grab and touch it? And, you know, there was just things that they were doing that like, why would you, why would anyone do that? Um, for me in this, that it was this that times a thousand, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, they find the planet and they uh, fly into the planet with their ship, and they go, "There's a body of water over there," and they just land in the water as if they know that it's safe to even land in the water, as if it's not going to be acid, like is typical in an alien movie. There's a lot of acid in these movies. Uh, how do they know that <laughs> that that like they're you know it's so easy to throw in a line like. Our readings are clear, clear to land, you know, like they tested the atmosphere or whatever. Like they didn't even think to to throw in a line like they did in Prometheus. They threw in lines like, uh, I think in Prometheus, before they take their helmets off, uh, you know, they asked David, is it okay to breathe? And he, and he says something like, you know, I've, I've read the levels or something. It's, it's going to be fine or something like that before they 
before they do that. They don't even wear helmets in this movie at all on the planet, which I was confused by. Uh, and um, the guy, I, one of the side characters goes out and takes a leak and goes out, lights up a cigarette on the planet. Like, hey, you know, I, I just, maybe maybe they knew about this planet beforehand, but if it's me and I'm on an alien world, I'm as cautious as I can freaking be, you know? <laughs> They did. They just seemed like they owned the place when they walked in there, and this was an alien planet. This is not Earth. This is supposed to be one of the only planets that exists outside of Earth. Like, this is supposed to be a huge discovery. There just didn't seem to be a sense of wonderment when they got onto the planet, like they were discovering anything. Uh, they were just kind of trying to find the origin of the of the signal, and that was it. You know, like, they weren't there for any kind of scientific mission or anything like that. A little bit, a little bit weird. I guess I'm the only one who felt... That they were just yeah no not look, smart I, get, at all. I get what you're saying <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't typically bother me especially when it's the kind of uh, the setup sort of stuff like I can I can assume from having seen one billion science fiction movies in my life that at some point in the process they I mean you know they have when they look at the the planet uh, they can say oh it's habitable it has all this. so I can assume that in all of those tests they see that the water is I don't know, is water and that, you know, all these things that I, to me, I'm like, okay, I can assume that they are, they were smart enough to do their job on that. The only part I had a problem with in that realm, and there was a lot of this in Prometheus to me, there was slightly less of it here, but Billy Crudup's character being a scientist and the captain of the ship being like, yeah, I'll just go follow David into a pit where there's definitely a monster that's going to eat me mm-hmm. was a, was a problem for me. Like that was, I get, that's sort of the tradition of these movies. And it's certainly the like main premise of horror movies. It seems like most of the time, like people just do stupid things and they don't do anything that a normal human would do. And for the most part, I'm okay with that. And I just kind of follow along and it's no big deal, but that one was an aggressively stupid, that, that, that requires an aggressively stupid character for him to see David interacting with the whatever the xenomorph is called at the time when David's interacting with it and then willingly follow him down into a cave and then willingly stick his face right over the face hugger pod those that was a really like that to me could have been I think I could come up with a hundred ways in which I could write that in a way that made it not seem like the captain of the ship is the biggest idiot on the planet Mm-hmm. metaphorically and literally because there's only 15 <laughs> people but you know what i mean yeah it, i just that was the only every place else i can suspend reality i can enjoy it it's fine i can just assume that this is taking place off screen even if i'm not seeing it on screen but that happening was that 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 threatened to take me out of the movie in that sequence i was just like that's that is too stupid that is that is <laughs> 1980s cheesy horror movie stupid and i need i need better from that than that from if i want the crudipassants to keep going i need better from that you know that didn't bother me as much as the let me smell this alien flower on this alien pollen or whatever it was uh and the uh i i actually thought it was pretty cool how the and I still don't they don't really explain what it is the like spores that fly around like into the uh into the people's brains and into their bodies and create the uh not the not xenomorphs but what are the mini xenomorphs called Joel uh the the white ones they're yeah. called neomorphs neomorph there you go I knew it was morph something uh 
I thought that was kind of cool how just kind of how they created them and they were, they were getting progressively sicker and then one of them actually goes onto the ship and uh you know they're doing the medical test on him and then when the neomorph bursts out they, they lock the other girl in there or Ferris mm-hmm. you know uh McBride's wife they lock her in there and she's just begging to let me out of this place I thought that was like one of the most intense scenes and most entertaining sequences in the film I dug that but I so I guess Joel the the origin of the black goo from Prometheus lies within the spores from this planet, right? Or was this uh, just part uh, of David's experiment in uh, th- the the new planet that he's kind of taken over? I could be wrong, but I think it's the other way, where the 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 goo is first, and then after all his experimentation and total annihilation of the the bombing, mm-hmm. turned uh, those little uh, fungus pods there. But I could be wrong on that. So yeah, I I think it could be either way. Honestly, I don't really know. Um, But either one works for me. Um, yeah, that was good. Uh, The Elizabeth Shaw uh, stuff is fine. Um, I don't understand how Elizabeth Shaw puts him back together. Like how she had that ability for to fix David um, when he had his head ripped off by an engineer. Um, But apparently, he was fixed. And uh, has the ability had the ability to fly the engineer ship to this new planet. Um, that's all in Prometheus. That's fine. Um, question here. This is a dumb question. I know I don't should not be asking this, but why could David grow like really long hair if he's an android? Like, is that do they? You know, is that, I don't know, he, Joel. You may have better answers. I, 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 I don't. I mean, I just assume that he's been programmed to be as human like as possible, and so maybe he has. I don't know, some kind of chip that allows for that sort of, uh, I don't know. It, it, I, it was a stretch, I was wondering for that sure. same exact thing during the, the screening, and I also wondered how his hair turned from blonde to yeah. dark brown. Yeah. He, so that well, was, he, was just, he was just going through a phase. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he he yeah. stopped shopping at Hot Topic and just let his right. natural. Got in the really in the Pearl Jam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there is a... That was fine, I guess. Um, they're one of the most awkward scenes of the year, and I'm sure this. I'm sure this will come up multiple times in all kinds of lists. Then the David Walter playing the flute recorder thing. What the heck? I mean, how did that not? I mean, that kind of ruins it for me, honestly. I mean, I was just I couldn't take it seriously at all. As it was only I, the only the flute and the recorder, not the thing that came after that. Uh, only the flute in their quarter. Honestly, it was like, what? What is happening? I, I love Fastbender, and I, you know, twice the Fastbender, fine with me, whatever, you know. Um, but that just was so weird. It was so not alien, you know. And um, I feel like you could have done that scene and not had a recorder involved, <laughs> like a, a fourth grade musical instrument involved in it at all would have been just fine with me. Um, I, I get that they were trying to be, you know, uh, talk about the origin of life and a symphony and, and all this stuff. Uh, great, but it just was so cheesy. And I'm sure yeah. that I'm sure people will be talking about the flute scene multiple times this year in some of the worst, one of the weirdest scenes of the year. I just, I don't know anyone that, that liked that, that got that. Yeah. Um, but I understood the. I understood the message that they were trying to give there was that um, Walter doesn't know how to create 
mm-hmm. but I think there was there's a much better way to do that. I mean, get some some crayons or some play doh or something. Don't uh, have this weird scene with a flute. This is called a Crayola. It's a <laughs> it's an ancient artifact. Oh, that would have been way better. I I actually liked the uh the the plot line of David like trying to be a creator, right? Because he never understood what it was like to be a creator, you know, because he was a creation, you know, and uh, he he talks with uh, Numir Posses or uh, Elizabeth Shaw's guy in Prometheus about uh, the nature of creation and why are you trying to find, uh, why, why are we on this mission? He's like, to try and find our creator, you know, we want to find out why we were made. And he says, you know, uh, what if the what if the tables returned, right? What if that that was that situation was completely flipped? Like he always he wants to be human, you know. He wants to have the power. He wants to be a god, you know. He wants to have the the same power that his his creator had in creating him, and uh, wants to wants to make the um the the perfect. I guess it's a uh, the perfect being, and in his opinion, the perfect being was what he uh, what he created with his experiments with the Xenomorph. I like the reference to kind of the H.R. Geiger drawings of David's, like, drawings of the different creatures on the in his new home or whatever. I thought that was a cool little reference homage there. Uh, I really liked, Brian, you mentioned it earlier with the, the pods and everything. I thought that was a cool way to, like, explain the facehuggers. Because they, they yeah, make no, no sense, cool. they make no sense cool. in in any of the context of the engineers or, or the xenomorphs, like because they don't look like them or anything. But I thought that was yeah. really cool. Like the 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 reveal there of the facehugger was really cool. I thought no, I that was like I this is it. This I, is the movie I wanted. I like the the I like the villain turn for David and the the craziness that he exemplifies. Like I, I'm I'm in on that, and I dig the idea that he is you know. Um, genetically engineering these awful things i mean it's it's uh super disturbing but it's really i think that i think that was very well done it's just could he like could he not just just trick him into being locked in the cave with the face huggers or something does i don't know just mm-hmm. the, I, the idea that the chief science officer who is also the captain is just like what's this thing i'm gonna stick my face right in here just i just like come on man we got it yeah. surely there was a better way to do that but no like the i the whole thing with David and his lab was super creepy and uh and a lot of i mean it was and it it works i think as far as some of the the concepts of like what's gonna come later or how this attaches to alien and aliens and so on down the line it was yeah, I thought that was really cool I did too uh here's a question it kind of was a bit unanswered for me uh in a way, so once David arrived at the engineer's planet and he unleashed the uh, what was left of what he found on the uh the planet from Prometheus the the pods or whatever uh the the goo why did that not turn all the engineers into xenomorphs right shouldn't that have created a planet of xenomorphs if it was the combination of the spores and the engineers that created those creatures or was it, it was it not the was it not that? Was, was, he like he explained it, but it was there was so much going on that I I honestly I didn't completely follow it. But it was Joel. You may have some better insight the, than me. I think the, I think the, the face hugger was what created creates them, right? Because he he didn't yes. find 
He, right. he says he found the, yep. the perfect solution, right? The perfect there way to create mm-hmm. life. And it was the face hugger and the combination right. of the face hugger and the, uh, the human that creates yeah. the, uh, monster, the, the perfect being or whatever. Yeah. I think the goo, they think they say that it's more of a, a weaponized version of the catalyst or this, this super, super bug. And then he had to, over time, like control it down into something that's more um, manageable for his for his experiments to try to create the the perfect organism, which is an exact uh, line that the robot in Alien says mm, is perfect right. organism, which mm-hmm. is a, a definite throw forward, like technically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. Uh, that that's cool. Um, I guess we can move kind of to the um, plot twist in a way. Uh, the reveal of Walter slash David at the end, um, is obvious. I mean, you know that, uh, that that's going to happen, right? That, uh, there's a fight between Walter and David, something happens off screen. And then we see Walter makes it back to the ship or whatever. And, uh, we also see the ability of Walter, the real Walter to heal himself. Right, uh, you think Walter is dead at one point, but uh, killed by David. But then he heals himself and says, "You know, I've had a bunch of upgrades or whatever uh, since since your version. You know, since the first version of David, there have been a few upgrades, and uh, one of those is self healing. And so that leaves, of course, the open ended nature of Walter could still be alive out there. You know, in future films, like there's there's no proof that Walter is dead, but Man, I thought that they could have brought that in way earlier. Like David and Walter could have switched places midway through the film. The yeah. audience the audience knows that they've mm-hmm. switched places, but the crew doesn't know that they've switched places. And David could have like sabotaged them from the inside. And that would have been a really cool way to like kind of a second act of this is them the whole discovery of David in the yeah. show. Instead of the one liner at the end and like, that's how the movie ends, you know, like this could, it could have been really some cool dramatic irony there. Yeah. If they had I'm gonna, kept that. Right. I'll take a slight. You know what's coming. Tag. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. And, and maybe this, maybe every person who listens to this is just going to say, Hey Brian, you're an idiot. But I, it, it, it surprised me because I thought that that was going to happen about five times through the course of the second half of the movie. I was like, something's going to happen here. He's going to switch places. He's going to screw the whole thing up. Something's going to happen here. He's going to switch places. He's going to screw the whole thing up. Like I kept expecting that to happen right on down to when he, when he jabs Walter with the, with the reed or whatever. I thought right at that moment, we were going to get David showing up in Walter's clothing or something like that by doing it the way that Ridley Scott did it. For me, and I may be like one out of four here, I don't know, and everybody may say you're an idiot, but the I complete by the time we actually got to the reveal, I completely forgotten that that might be a possibility because it's from the lat you know you see them doing the fight, and when he comes out of that little temple or whatever, I'm like, oh, is that gonna be Walter or is it David? I don't know, and then I completely forgot about it because the xenomorphs chasing them, they've got the the hovercraft ship thing mm-hmm. going, and they're trying to shake it off, and then like you know, and they're on the ship and then that guy's dead and then these people are dead and then, and it just keeps moving along. And I, it just completely, I didn't even, I, it's, it's kind of like a uh, sleight of hand. Like I completely uh, stopped thinking about that element of it to where when it does hit, um, 
And I think I actually thought Catherine Watterson did a really good job of because, you know, you're just looking at her face when it dawns on her. And because of that, it dawns on me kind of at the same time. And I was like, oh, crap, that was a really smart play. That worked really well for me. I thought that was uh, I that was maybe the masterstroke of the whole film for me. And it may just be because I'm dumb and I wasn't focused in on it and knew it from the get go and all that sort of stuff. But it, it for me, that worked really well. And I thought that made it a better film because of that. Yeah. Joel, did it work for you as well? Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. I saw it coming as soon as he was stapling himself back together, which if that was uh, mm-hmm. Walter, he, I don't think he would have had to do since he, we saw him heal mm-hmm. a cut on mm-hmm. his neck after he was stabbed through the neck. Mm-hmm. But my, uh, I went to see this with my buddy, who is I'm introducing to Alien slowly, and he screamed out an expletive when that happened because he did <laughs> really? not see it coming at all he was really blown away by by that twist at the end oh gosh which which, which i liked i liked it yeah. a lot because i feel I, like you know, i feel like the david and walter switched places so that walter's still on the planet and now he gets to be creator and that's why he stayed and he let david go because now walter can be creator on the planet and i hope they explore that in the future yeah man um I wish I, I, I would have been so much, I would have hated this movie so much more if it didn't have the twist, right? Uh, that was like the, I just kept waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it. And to you, Brian, like I just kept, I kept waiting for it until when it finally happened, I was like, finally, you know? And uh, I just thought they, they could have made so much more out of that, you know, out of that plot line. Um, I guess if you weren't expecting it, it's just like a like you said you drop an egg you're like oh my gosh like there are there are twists even this year in movies like get out and things like that that i was just like what you know and life and life uh yeah that life i was like holy moly you know i i didn't expect that as much as i expected this but um i mean if it didn't have that it would have been like ridley what are you doing you you could have you could have had that you know you could have David could have yeah. switched places and you could have had the you know you have twins there and the, that how many times has that been done in movies the Parent Trap and things like that where they switch places nice you know yeah. it's such an easy thing to do and uh, to play around with and have fun with on screen and uh, I mean they waited to the last minute to reveal it but like I said they they could have had that reveal earlier or they could have had. They they could have switched places earlier, and David could have been Walter earlier, but the audience still didn't know, you know. And then you find out later why certain things happened, why the ship got sabotaged in the way it did, or why people died the way they did. Because then you find out, like they they didn't even switch places until the very last scene, you know. It seemed like, and uh, man, they they that could have been so much funner than it was. But Richard, you said it was kind of obvious to you too. You saw it coming. Oh yeah, that was. That was not very well twisted. M. Night Shyamalan should have directed the last eight minutes of this or whatever. <laughs> I'll steal a uh, I'll steal a line from our friend Rob Fee who said it seemed like it was it, it would have been comparable if at the end of the Santa Claus they reveal that Tim Tim Allen was the Santa Claus the entire time was Santa Claus the whole time. It's like, oh really? <laughs> Didn't know that. <laughs> uh but man, I I like the David stuff. I do. I like I like the origin mm-hmm. of humanity and the want the need to create. Um but I still don't understand who are the engineers. Why 
Why did the engineers yeah, create us? That's kind of abandoned that's, in this movie. That's yeah. completely abandoned. And who, what, what's your answer to that, Joel? Why? Why? What do they have to do with anything? If it's um, us, if it's us and the spores that make the alien, what? What do the engineers have to do with anything it, other than to draw us out there? You know, to like lure us out there, like they lured Elizabeth Shaw out there with the cape paintings or whatever it is. Yeah, that's that's really hard because the alien communities kind of split on engineers mm-hmm. like the reason why i love aliens so much is because there's just a dude in an elephant mask sitting in a chair and that's it they don't give us anything about the space jockey and you just have so many questions running through your head mm-hmm. and then prometheus they tell you exactly who that is and some people love it and some people don't i like it mm-hmm. but it's it, it it goes both ways but I, I i don't i don't know hopefully they'll explore it more in the in the future they've got it what at least two or three more movies before alien in the in the timeline that Ridley Scott is setting up so hopefully we'll get more I'd love an all engineers movie that'd be that'd be pretty top yeah I, I think so too uh there's there's always a lot of questions here where where will they go from here right uh now what we were left with is David on the ship with apparently 2,000 colonists uh, they're going to terraform a planet. That's their mission: is to go find another Earth, essentially. And now we're left with David as the uh, leader of the ship, and uh, with two alien spores that he swallowed and put in the uh, cryo chamber. And uh, he he locked uh, Waterston, Catherine Waterston, in her um, cryogenic sleep. And I, assuming he's going to make everybody into aliens at some point, this has to have a rogue one moment of like, this is where it leads to alien. Like this is, this is the end, you know, at the end of rogue one where it's like basically the beginning of a new hope, you know, and it perfectly kind of melds the two together, the, the, uh, the two movies. I still feel like there's a huge disconnect between covenant and alien, you know, like there's gotta be, a lot of stuff that happens between now and then, right? And I think that's what the next next three movies are going to be, because we're still a very long way away from how we know eggs to be created as coming from the queen to David uh, artificially creating eggs. So there's a lot, there's a lot to explore. Maybe the next movie is going to be all about the queen. Maybe Daniels becomes the first queen or something. I I think uh, the queen's going to be Elizabeth Shaw. Well, she dead. Well, yeah. her he didn't her, bring her body off the the yeah. planet. That was a planet, that that was right, a but he. But I I think there's a way. Maybe uh, he created her, and she's and the queen is one of the sport. I mean, one of the like uh, embryos that he has. Yeah, I mean, and maybe they, there is a a thing called a royal face hugger, which has queen embryos. But uh, I don't know. A royal face hugger. Wow, man. Very you can fancy. get really deep into Wikipedia, and it's, yeah. it just goes. <laughs> is this stuff even real, or is it just some something somebody wrote on the internet? Like, is there? Uh, it's it's on the alien is there Wikipedia. Like, is there alien like comics that go further into this or something? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, like uh, official Dark canon. Horse. Yeah, Dark Horse does a lot of their comics and a lot of the novels. There's a there's a ton of stuff after Alien and Aliens that that uh that they do, and it's all great. It's all. Even the alien versus predator stuff that they do in the comics is really, really good. There's right. red aliens and all sorts of stuff. I feel in a way like some people are saying that this that covenant betrays everything that they knew and loved about Alien. You know, it betrays the history 
I really feel like Ridley Scott just used Alien and Prometheus, and that's what he's playing off of. Uh, I don't. Well, think yeah, he that's cares. the only thing he did. Yeah, see, he he's the only thing he did. He doesn't care about Aliens yeah. or Alien Three or uh, yeah. Resurrection or any of that. So, if it's any of that stuff that you're offended by that it contradicts, then you went into this with the wrong mindset, I guess, because that's what all <laughs> I was thinking of was Alien and Prometheus and how how those kind of work together and how how we can get there, how we can bridge the gap between the two. So, mm-hmm. man, lot lot to discuss. Good times, though. Good times. Um, I had a fun ride. I was thinking about the whole time, you know? It kept me guessing and kind of wondering uh, where it was going to go, and and I think it was well shot. Like you said, Brian, I think it looked great. Uh, I think this movie could have benefited from 3D, because I love the 3D in Prometheus. I think it's gorgeous, well, very well done in 3D, and... Uh, you know some of the stuff where they're mapping the, they're mapping the planet and everything, and they're sending the like orbs through the planet to map it, and the way that was done in 3D was really cool. I love the scenery in the beginning of Prometheus, like the, the awesome scenery of the Earth when the engineers arrive and everything. That's very well done. Um, I like the cast a lot more in Prometheus than I did in, um, than in Covenant with Charlie Theron yeah. and Idris Elba. And Numi Rapace and everybody, I thought that was mm. it was a way better, way stronger cast than than this was. This felt like it didn't it didn't feel like a, a follow up as it as much as it did kind of a um like you said a spinoff. A spinoff yeah. more than a sequel. Did did you guys like Danny McBride in a in a kind of pseudo serious? Yeah, role? I did. I, I did. did. Yeah, I, did. I thought they I were going to goof him up. Actor. I thought they yeah. were going to goof him up way too much, but he he was strong and uh, he wasn't Kenny Powers in this movie. I thought it was going to be Kenny Powers and Alien, you know. Um, yeah. But it's the first time in a strong. long time I've I've liked him in a movie. I, yeah. I mean, I was like he was a major negative for me going in because I just, I really don't like that guy. But I thought he did a very good job with that. I thought Fastbender was great. I know Richard did didn't care for it. I don't know what you guys thought on that. Fastbender mm-hmm. to me, he's one who's pretty much always good, even in a bad movie. Uh, see case in point assassin's creed and jonah hex and stuff like that i mean he can definitely throw out a bad movie on you but i always find him enjoyable to watch and i thought it was cool seeing him play two distinctly different characters it reminded me a lot of like orphan black that uh where what's that girl's name gosh tatiana maslani uh plays five or six characters and they're all very different characters i thought it was interesting seeing him do both sides of that equation and it was creepy and and affecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So production on the next movie is supposed to begin next year. And uh, Ridley Scott has said he can crank out another six of these if we want them. Like he has Ooh. enough material for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Made a lot of money, especially overseas. He made like a hundred million already. Yeah, it did pretty well. And a decent, but like a, the budget was less than a hundred million dollars, yeah, which is shocking for yeah. this kind of movie to me. I mean, they definitely saved some money on the cast, but that's fine. That's a reasonable thing to do, given yeah. how small the budget was. Joel, okay, now tell me this: like, mm-hmm. where do where is this going? Because I like I understand <laughs> how it connects from. I understand where the where the the A and the Z are of of Alien Covenant to Alien, but like, I don't I don't see how you get three, let alone six more movies out of this. Like, I just. It's not an open world to me like, I don't know, like Star Wars is or like, I don't know, whatever. It's, it's, 
it's a strange idea to me that we're going to squeeze in three more movies into this story. I don't even know where the next one really begins. So I don't know. As as Alien Superfan, <laughs> where do you think we're going from here and how do we connect from A to Z? God, I I have no idea. But I mean, there's uh, they still have to somehow uh, uh, one of the derelict ships has to get to LV426. I mean, that's going to be your your Rogue One moment is maybe at the end of the third one or something. One of these ships crashes on that planet and that's the one that they go to an alien. So, I mean, that's I feel like that's going to be your your money shot is mm-hmm. the ship crashing in the same like original matte painting from the original one. But I have I have no idea. But a part of me just kind of doesn't really care because I just love Alien and I just want to see the big chap on screen because he's just he's just one of the probably the most iconic movie monster, in my opinion. I just love him so much. Mm. Yeah. And they, the did you like the CG on the uh, aliens themselves? I thought the neo uh, the neomorph CG was a little weird, crazy, like uh, yeah, fake. Yeah. But the xenomorph I really liked uh, when it was on the outside of the ship and like busting through the glass and stuff. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was a. You could tell it was, it was a, a low budget. It was a little low budget CG, but yeah. it was a little shoddy here and there. But mm-hmm. that whole sequence of running the the sick by the sick guy back to the ship with the back burster and then the throat burster, I guess. Yeah. That whole scene was just so intense. I, I got lost. Mm-hmm. I actually saw that scene after the screening of, screening of Alien on Alien Day. They showed that scene as a special feature. And I was with my mom. My mom looked at me, and, and she saw Alien in theaters when it came out. And she almost walked out on it because she was so scared. And she looked at me, and she said, hell no, I'm not <laughs> seeing that with you. And she walked away from me, and I was just sitting with my mouth just open like, holy crap, what yeah. am I going to be? What am I going to be getting into in a, in a the, couple like weeks? shower scene or whatever? When the that was a really cool shot. Whether in the shower and like you see the alien just like puts its head against the glass or whatever. That was really a cool like moment yeah. in the movie. Um, I wanted more. Cool of, I wanted more of the alien on the ship. I feel like if yeah. they would have added like fifteen more minutes of horror, like it had mm-hmm. been so actiony so far. But if they just gave us like just classic like alien or even aliens horror of where where the heck is the alien at i felt like it i i would have liked that that extra extended cut of 10 more minutes of 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 like biting on my my sweatshirt and barely looking at the screen i would have liked that a lot more yes well i'm sure this is not the last conversation we have regarding this and alien and aliens and alien 3 and prometheus and all of the above and this is a universe we will revisit I'm sure plenty of times in the future. Joel, you're a resident alien expert now. We don't have one yet. I, f- I feel so honored. So so feel free to uh, join us next time when we uh, oh, talk absolutely. the sequel absolutely. to this. Uh, so, man, I really do. I, I'm with you, Brian. I don't think there's a lot more you can show before Alien. You know, I don't think there are six movies between this and, and Alien, but I could be wrong. But I feel like there's one or two things that need to happen for us to get there, and uh, then I'll be fine. I don't, I don't need six more Alien movies in my life, I'm not going to lie. I would love for the next <laughs> one to lead to Alien and then spin it off into a completely different thing. Like, I'm done with this storyline, you know, I guess, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I, I would enjoy I think I would enjoy movies in this universe 
a lot. I don't know that I'm going to really dig three more movies leading up that are specifically dealing with this storyline. Prequels, like, yeah. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little confused on how what we can do with it like i said at the outset i think you can make a great tv series out of this for for netflix or hbo or something like that but i don't i don't know how i don't know how i'm going to get three more enjoyable movies out of david doing creepy things on a ship mm-hmm. like that's just i don't know it's it's an odd spot to be in to me yeah and then and then we have neil blomkamp's uh alien movies too yeah. if if those still happen i mean i don't i don't know if uh uh, what's their faces are are busy or not with their South African rap careers, but uh, I'm, I'm sure they're worth it. Yeah. Diane, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do uh, weren't his movies gonna like do a more Ripley origin story though? Is yeah, just gonna, so are, gonna be more Ripley focused. Yeah, they were supposed to take place right after Aliens, and they weren't gonna kill off uh, Hicks and uh. The little girl but that's mm-hmm. but who knows i mean chappy happens so <laughs> we never we may never get that movie maybe david turns into a cat fingers crossed man that's <laughs> that's the bridge but david is david is the cat yeah <laughs> okay uh let's hit grades for alien covenant um i'm gonna give this a b minus I even though I saw the twist coming, um, it's a twist that uh, should have happened. If the twist didn't happen, I would have been way more angry about this because of the potential of that twist. So the fact that Ridley realized to, to do that, um, you gotta you gotta hand it to him, and uh, you know, fine, fine, but not not an A in my opinion. So B minus for for Covenant. I would I would rank this in my alien zeitgeist i would rank uh alien aliens prometheus alien 3 and then covenant probably or maybe flip-flop covenant and alien 3 yeah alien 3 is pretty bad <laughs> i rewatched that reason was like this is not a very good movie uh What's go ahead with your grade joel um yeah, I mean, I feel like we bashed this movie a lot, but I did really enjoy it a lot. I I thought it was very well shot and it was beautiful and, and it was fun. But um I mean, yeah, if Alien and Aliens are both A super pluses and then I I'd put Alien 3, the third one, and then I think I'd probably put this one next, probably at a solid B. I mean, I wanted more from it, but it wasn't it wasn't mm-hmm. terrible, which which is always a I mean, with with Indiana Jones and Star Wars being some of my other favorite movies, not having a terrible movie is always good. So you're right. A it solid, was, a solid it was not terrible. That isn't always an accomplishment nowadays. Especially <laughs> to say that, Scott. but it is. Especially for Ridley. Yeah, you're, there you go, um, Richard. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna side with you, Ken, on it. It's right between a B minus and a B for me. I'm gonna go B minus as well. What about you, Brad guy? Yeah, I'm in, I'm right in line with you guys. So I'm I'm sticking. I think this is, for me, this is definitely far below Alien and Aliens. It's a little bit below Prometheus, and I would put it above Alien 3 and AVP and, and such. So I, I would say uh, the the highs are very high. I really liked it. it you know what? I, I wanna, I'll say this. If this movie doesn't exist within the Alien franchise, I think I'm probably a little higher on it. But it's just because it's not as compared to 
those movies, but just as like the confusion of how in the world this all fits in and why we keep between this and Prometheus, why it's kind of gone back and forth between two different, completely different styles of movie. It just, it leaves me a little confused and maybe even frustrated. So I, I would go straight B is where I would land on it. You know, I'm, I'm probably higher on this now. I think this will give, I need time. Like I was super high on Prometheus after it came out. Um, I, you know, ever since I've rewatched it multiple times, uh, I have different thoughts on it. I, maybe I'll give this a different grade in a year, you know, once I rewatch it more and compare it more to the other alien movies. But for now, B minus. Uh, okay. Let's move on and let's hit our weekly recommend. Weekly recommends. So let's let our guest do the honors. Joel, what's your weekly recommend? Yeah, I've had a, a long time to think about what I'd do for this, and I figured that since Alien Aliens are my second favorite movies of all time, I'd give uh, the Mam Fam my second favorite TV series of all time, which is um, ESPN's Playmakers from oh. uh, 03. Nice. Which I, which I know a lot of people haven't seen, so that's why I want to throw it out there. If you like sports and like uh, drama, I think this is, I mean, it's obviously a little bit too true to form because the NFL wanted them to cancel it. But it's about like a, a football team in an NFL-like league, and anything that can happen, anything that can go wrong to this team does go wrong to this team. And it's just this whole, it's only 11 episodes, but I think it's one of the best series on television i've ever watched so i just i don't know where you can find it because it is so old and they didn't really release it that big because it got shut down but i think it was great it's ahead of its time yeah the acting in it is so fantastic so playmakers is it on streaming or anything like that i have no i think you have to go get it you have to find a dvd probably i have a a dvd set of it so (laughs) go to half price books or such there you go (laughs) hi all right. Yeah, find, um, find producer Steven at Half Price Books. Where, uh, what's your recommend, uh, Richard? Yeah, I'm going to produce, uh, oh, I'm going to produce, I'm going to do a, a new, I'm going to make mine right now. It's a piece of art. No, it's just uh, a little uh, kind of lo-fi indie record by, Ken, do you ever listen to Sandy Alex G at all? No. Okay. I think you'd like this this record. Kind of Elliot Smithy, but a little more um a little more hipped up a bit. Uh but it's just a uh, really saw the uh the record's called Rocket. Kind of just standard uh indie music, but it's an album I've been listening to kind of on repeat for the last three days. And so I'm currently like plowing through these uh Robert Caro uh LBJ biographies. So my culture intake is really low right now because I have like 4,000 pages of reading to do. And so this is really the only thing I've ingested other than aliens. So, but it's a good, it's a good little record. So I, I recommend it. Brian, what about you? What was the name of the artist there? I didn't catch Sandy, it. like the Sandy, like the beach in parentheses uh-huh. and then uh-huh. Alex G. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, I'm going to recommend uh, a service. I've been meaning to do this for a couple of weeks and I just keep, I keep coming up with something different. So, uh, Pizza we're on Hut plug. Here yeah. Pizza hut is awesome. And, uh, you guys should definitely, they got, they got cheese in the, in the crust now. I don't know if you guys knew that. Uh, it's pretty new, <laughs> pretty new invention. Uh, so about three months ago, my, my fa- my wife and I switched from, we've been direct TV server or, uh, I don't know, customers forever. I don't know, five, six years. 
and I finally got tired of, of dealing with terrible customer service and a bad experience and switched over to PlayStation View, and it has been the greatest choice of my life, uh, probably up to and including uh, getting married. So, no, look, it's, it's really, I, I really have enjoyed it. I've talked with Richard and Ken about it a lot. If you are on a cable provider and it is costing you more money than what you think it should, you should definitely check out PlayStation View and see if... Uh, not can not only can save you some money, but is a uh, it's it's been a really cool experience for, for us. It it feels like I told Kent this. I I feel like I found a cheat code for life, and it keeps I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it doesn't. It's a really awesome service and a product that I'm stand behind firmly. So maybe PlayStation View will come and sponsor our show at some point. But if even if they don't, it's awesome, and uh, I would totally recommend anybody who's who's trying to cut down on bills and who isn't at this point in life. Uh, check that out for sure. Been, it's been pretty awesome. And you do not have to have a PlayStation to uh, to let it run. So just FYI. I've talked to a, a dozen people who are like, oh, that sounds good, but I don't have a PlayStation. And that's fine. You don't you don't have to have one. So give it a shot. And, uh, you know, if you have any questions or something, I've, like, been tweeting with a bunch of people about it who just have randomly asked me questions because I put up a, I don't know, like a random non-sequitur tweet about watching something on PlayStation View and have had people asking me tons of questions. So I feel like I'm a salesman on it at this point. That's not my role in life, but uh, yeah, it's it's awesome, and and you should uh, should give it a give it a run if you're if you're in the market for such a service. Kent, what about you? I'm going to recommend a service, kind of in the same vein, not in the same vein. Uh, this is an online service. Um, so my car uh, broke down the other week. Uh, Richard was there, and uh, it would cost was, a little for a while. But then I went to sleep. You went to bed. It was three in the morning. I don't blame you. Um, Richard left an upper decker in the back seat. That's what really <laughs> took it over the edge. Yeah, that can, can we be talk done? about Laughlin acting like he was going to help you, but then leaving and going and getting McDonald's just for yeah. himself? Yeah, he did. That was classic Laughlin. Um, we uh, so my car broke down. I've had the car for over ten years, and I got to the point where I was like, I'm just going to drive it until it literally stop stop. Uh, you know, stops running. Right there with you, brother. And it uh, stopped running. So it, the repair was going to cost more than the actual value of the car, which is never good. Um, so I decided, you know what? I'm getting rid of this car. I'm going to buy a new car. And if anyone has ever bought a car, it's the worst thing ever. The process, yeah. the go to the dealership, the people are following you around. They're hounding you. They're calling you. They're emailing you every day. Hey, what did you think about that car? You, you going to make a decision? You know, that whole thing. It's the worst. Um, well, I found a workaround. There's, uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Carvana, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com. And you basically buy the car online. You search for what you want. Um, you can sort by a ton of different uh, criteria. You can sort by lowest mileage. You can sort by, I want a hybrid. Or I want, you know, a back rear camera. I want navigation. You know, I want an SUV. I want to spend X amount of money. You can sort by all that. They, they list their cars. You click on a car and it has a complete 360 view of the car. You can look inside the car. You can look outside the car. You can see what the car is like with all the you know doors open, what the trunk space looks like, and uh, you do all that work. Um, all that they do all the research, and uh, you literally buy it online, and they deliver it to your front door, like as if you bought it on Amazon, and they drop it off, and you just bought a new car online, and it eliminates the entire process of going to the dealership and having to deal with the bullcrap hassle of car dealers. So it is incredible. I mean, I literally bought a car in 12 minutes uh, online. It was amazing. Wow. And it's 
getting delivered tomorrow. So um, it's it's great, and I was just floored by how awesome the website is, how easy it was, how easy the design was, and, and user friendly it was. It's the future of buying cars. I'm convinced, and they have several like like uh, locations around America. They have one in Austin. I think they have one in Jersey and Chicago, where you can go to a physical location and pick up the car if you don't want to get it delivered to you. And they call them car vending machines. It's like a big tower that looks like a giant vending machine with cars in it. I know it sounds crazy, but I saw it. It's one right by my work. And I was like, what the heck is that? And I went to the website and I found out what it was and it's incredible. Um, so if you're looking to buy a new car, Carvana.com, you will not regret it. You'll thank me later. It's an amazing thing. We'll be hearing about it, I'm sure, in the future. So, uh, yeah, eliminate the, the bullcrap hassle of having to deal with sleazy car dealers. That's a thing of the past. Um, buy it online and awesome stuff. Awesome, awesome stuff. And they work out financing on there, their own financing, their own warranties. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It was. I'm still blown away by it. It's amazing. Carvana.com. I cannot recommend it higher. Making my life a lot easier today. All right. Um, that's all we got for today. But Joel, really appreciate you being on. Where can we find you online? Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at, I'm, uh, at the Pixie Sticks. I, I may mainly just retweet stuff from the Ducks and the Angels and from my college sports team. So if you want to see more of that, go Go ahead and go there. Sorry about the, the ducks, by the way. It's okay. Hey, at least we didn't lose a game seven. <laughs> hey, it's okay. It happens. Um, it's Pixie Sticks, S-T-I-X, I should say, yes. too. Pixie so and Sticks. P-I-X-Y-S-T-Y-X. There you go. Yes. Like the band. Okay. Yes. Um, Brian. You can find me on the Twitter at... No, I almost said the wrong thing because I don't know my own Twitter handle. <laughs> That's strong. That's good. That's, that's good, right? Uh, Bgill12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on all social media at Richard Barden or at the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Uh, or just, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, you can write me. Um, you write me letters, long no. form letters, long form letters now. Uh, but yeah, you can find me on the on the interweb pretty much everywhere. Kent, I'm looking for you, my love. Where might I find you besides outside my house with a with a tow truck? <laughs> you can find me on the Twitter, kentgarrison.com at kentgarrison on Twitter and uh, Snapchat, Instagram, all uh, are that. And join us online, Mad About Movie at Mad About Movies on Twitter, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Uh, come back every week for a new movie and a throwback episode. We'll be continuing that trend as long as we can. A lot of fun throwbacks coming out in the next couple of weeks. We're getting together, recording a bunch of stuff. Awesome times. Uh, support yourself. Support the show uh, by buying one of our t-shirts on our website, too, and get some Mam fam swag in your life. Yeah. You won't regret just, it. Just ordered a sweatshirt today. Oh, what? Nice. That's awesome. And a sticker. Cool. We'll send us pictures of that. We'll retweet it. Anyone who has ordered a shirt or anything like that, we really appreciate it. Send us a pic. We'll, we will put it on Twitter and, and uh, Instagram and things like that. We really, really like the, the representation and all that. And Joel, you are the man. I got to say, <laughs> you, you're the, you might, I think you donated more than anyone has ever donated to the show. I think that's one million dollars. A million dollars. We've spent uh, it so horribly. We haven't done anything wise with that money at all. You set the standard for for what the Man Fam is all about. So we really appreciate you being here. Kent bought a car as he. I bought a car with your donation. With your money. Appreciate that. Uh, 
But until next time, uh, goodbye, ma'am, fam, and uh, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Your salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.